Hello, welcome to the Creative Writing Life podcast. I'm Justin Sloan. And I'm Paul Zeidman. And Justin, I will let you have the honor of introducing our special guest today. We have with us Rebecca Murga. How's it going? Did I say your name? Hey, yes, Murga. Or if you are Spanish, it's Murga. Murga. All right, there we go. And uh, hi, Rebecca, how are you? I'm fantastic, my friend. How are you guys? Great. So we're going to have some fun talking about various programs like uh, Disney and AFI and directing and all that fun stuff. But Rebecca, we always start off the show. Sorry for cutting you off, Paul, with your response to her question, by the way. (laughs) We always start the show with talking about what we've been watching or listening to or reading lately. Is there anything exciting there we want to share? Paul and I can start first. uh, So you have a chance to think about it if you want. Uh, How about you, Paul? Anything off the top of your head? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, even though they debuted a couple of weeks ago, um, my wife and I have started watching the second season of Ted Lasso on Apple TV. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed the first season. And she kind of like started, started it with me. And then she kind of like, you know, I don't want to say lost interest, but you know, she kind of drifted off about halfway. And then I said, Hey, do you want to watch the uh, first episode of season two? She's like, sure. And, she, and we watched it and she's like, Oh, let's watch the second. So we're probably going to do that this weekend and um that's part of our viewing plan but also uh the suicide squad debuted on hbo max uh i believe it was yesterday so uh we're gonna watch that probably first and then transition over to ted lasso so it'll be a busy weekend oh i didn't know if season two already aired i'm excited about that uh so for me i finally checked out all american because i used to work with somebody kind of we had like she was leaving the federal reserve bank to go work on tv for a bone spinoff while i was arriving at the federal reserve bank where I worked as an Asian analyst for people who don't know. And then, so she went on to do that. Now she's a producer on All American and the director of my feature film that's supposed to be shot hopefully next month, depending on everything that can happen. <laughs> uh, he's, he's working camera on that show. So I was like, oh, I better watch this finally. Uh, and it's, it's good. It's definitely good. Uh, I recommend it if anybody uh, is interested. It has a sports angle, but don't worry. There's other stuff too. <laughs> I'm not a sports guy. Uh, yeah. How about you, Rebecca? You got anything good for us? Yes. Uh, so I've been watching. Have you seen um, the first season of Cobra Kai, and, of which I think now is in mm-hmm. the third um, so uh, season? So um, I, I just think it's a fantastic show. I don't know. I don't know why. I think it's maybe because I was a kid of the 80s and yeah. grew up watching like Karate Kid. And um, I feel like that was like iconic in that way. And so it felt like a very retro throwback. And I mean, I don't know how you can't love that show. For sure. <laughs> so so it's season fantastic. three, though, was pretty depressing. Like, we we all watched season one and two as a family, and we're like, this is awesome. Even my little eight-year-old. No, don't my tell me. Really? And then season three, we're all just like, every episode is just sad. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'd call it sad, but I, I think it's really interesting the way they're they're mining the, the movie franchise for all this material for the show like they're taking what already has already happened and they're like kind of like well we can use that but we can also develop all these new stories around it i think they just uh, uh they they just re- uh, put out the trailer for season four which i think comes out like around christmas yeah. so so you got you got like if you just start on season one so you've got like two and three to work through before you get to season four you know in december so you know your fall is already spoken for apparently. <laughs> yeah season four will probably be freaking awesome i'm sure uh, <laughs> that's great well rebecca let's talk about you do you want to give us a quick uh bio quick version of who you are 
Yeah, sure. So um, I grew up in the best city of the world, um, the great city of Chicago. Um, grew up in a place called Humble Park, which is pretty much where all the Puerto Ricans live. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm a Puerto Rican kid from Chicago, uh, moved. I always knew I wanted to be in television, but I feel like kids from my neighborhood, that's not, that wasn't like a, a very viable option as far as a career. Um, so I ended up, you know, majoring in kind of television uh, production, moved out to the East Coast, got a job working for a production company um, right outside of New York City. And we were doing stuff in the financial district, um, uh, working in Merrill Lynch building, AT&T building for corporate media, and then 9-11 happened. Uh-huh. And so I always say that that kind of was my real pivot and transition. I think anybody who was working or living in New York City was very affected by what took place that day. Um, I ended up joining the military about a month later, um, still continuing to uh, produce. So I, you know, I did all my training, uh, did graduate school through ROTC, uh, did all my all my officer uh, training down in Gordon. Um, was started producing sports at that time. So, you know, most of the beginning part of my career was producing sports out of uh, uh, Washington, D.C., Orioles home and away games, uh, Sixers games, uh, started uh, doing a lot of producing in hockey as far as the Capitals and Flyers, um, stuff out of Madison Square Garden, which was great, getting to see Yankee Stadium uh, that last um, that last game before they shut down that stadium and, and reopened was fantastic. Um, and then, you know, I got deployed to Iraq. <laughs> and so uh, between 2007 and 2011, uh, deployed multiple times between Iraq, Kuwait and Afghanistan. Um, at that time, I, I, I pivoted into public affairs and I knew nothing about public affairs other than I was, uh, you know, I had a background in photography. Um, and so right around then is when the DSLR came out. Um, so I bought my first Canon DSLR in like 2007 and just started shooting. And I taught myself how to edit. I taught myself um, how to kind of pivot into video and realized like there was a lot of power in storytelling. And so, you know, um, I, I realized when I started coming home, it was very difficult to co- kind of explain like deployment and war and um, what it was like to be a woman um, deployed and attached to some of these units. And what I found was it was actually a lot easier, simpler in a way to be able to show my photography and talk about it through there. And that's really where I started kind of looking at pivoting from producing that I was doing at the time into like writing and directing. So I wrote a few articles. Uh, One got picked up in the New York Times and I wrote an article for the Global Journal on women in conflict. I started working a lot with the John Mayer Foundation up in uh, San Francisco. John Mayer has put a lot of um, donated a lot of time and money into studies that have taken place for uh, women in combat who up until a few years ago haven't been studied uh, the science behind the brain and PTSD and um, the the impact of war on, you know, uh, on the body and the brain. And so, um, you know, started making videos and, and, and writing. And so I realized like I wanted to pursue it full time. So I moved to Los Angeles probably about eight years ago and that's really what I've focused all of my time in doing. I, I did the ABC directing program that I can talk about a little bit and the Ryan Murphy program. I currently run uh, a directing program over at AFI. I teach um, intro to directing at Sundance while also writing and uh, developing projects. You know, had a development deal last year with uh, Rideback and that production company. So it's been a, it's been a journey. And I, I realized like my 
Um, directing in Los Angeles, uh, I realize is a lot about leadership and a lot about taking care of people and a lot about really making, you know, 200 people on a set um, go toward like the same vision. And a lot of those things I really picked up from just uh, really great leaders in the military and watching how, what, what they did and how they did it. So yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell, my friends. Yeah. A lot of stuff we can dive into, uh, but I wanted to start off by asking uh, what makes you tick? Like what kind of cool story ideas do you wake up thinking about each day or what are you excited about to dive into? You know, do you have a specific genre? Do you have a specific style of story, a theme maybe? Yeah, I feel like a lot of um, what I end up writing about and the stories I want to tell are, think, are things I've experienced kind of through my lens, right? And so I spend a lot of time working in documentary films as a photographer, just kind of watching. And I realized that kind of observational um, skill allowed me to be able to really dive into like rich characters. So I feel a lot of the stories that I tell tend to be from either my life or my experience. Um, I, I tend to write a lot about like the underdog, um, you know, about the, um, I think being a woman in the military, you're, you're always kind of walking into the room and people aren't quite knowing what to expect, or, you know, maybe they, um, they, they think you're not going to be able to execute as well as other people, whether, whether that's, um, and I'm sure everyone can, can attest to that of like feeling like the person that, uh, in the room that doesn't quite belong. I feel like artists feel that way all the way, right? <laughs> like you don't quite belong in like, um, the, the place or where you grew up from. And so I feel like a lot of what I write has to do with like the underdog has to do with like a lot of, uh, I love to tell stories about, uh, Latinos, mostly because, you know, my father's Guatemalan and my mom's Puerto Rican. And I feel there's not enough of that kind of content that you see as far as like how I grew up and things that I love. And, you know, I, I always have some sprinkles of the military somewhere within there. Even right now I'm, I'm writing a story about a, a young wrestler out in uh, Pennsylvania and there's, you know, the father, a former military guy. So I feel like I feel like, you know, any writer kind of pulls from what you know and what you've experienced. And um, luckily, thanks to the Army, I've experienced a lot and have traveled a lot. And yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll dive into the veteran angle and then let Paul jump in. Uh, so talking about military and veterans in media and entertainment. Uh, so you're the director of communications there. And I wanted to ask, yeah, what kind of, for people who are veterans listening, what kind of opportunities do they have that, or what kind of opportunities do you feel like they're not really taking advantage of also? Yeah. So it's a, it's a super dope group. Uh, I came across it like years ago. I was like, what is this? I was moving down to Los Angeles and, um, you know, started by, by two combat vets who are both fantastic. And, um, you know, I started volunteering probably about five years ago and kind of, um, uh, started doing it more on a, a full-time basis, maybe about three years ago. And, you know, it has since grown from that first meeting, which was 30 veterans in the basement of American Legion to over 4,500 members. We have multiple programs, including a job and internship program where, you know, if you apply through an internship or a job through our program, uh, let me give you an idea of the average um, the average uh, resume that goes to a Lionsgate um, HR executive, you have maybe a one in 10,000 chance of actually getting that job. That's how many applications right now are, are getting toward HR representatives per entry level job that are coming in. Um, if you apply through our program, that number decreases to one in six, mostly because of our relationships that we have built with companies like Lionsgate, uh, CBS, Sony, Fox. Um, we know all the HR hiring executives there. Uh, our program is really 
based on um, working with veterans individually, looking at your resumes, figuring out, um, you know, obviously a production resume looks very different than a corporate resume, um, talking to the veteran as far as what they want. If they don't have the experience to get the job, you know, I, I think a big part of what we do is provide value in, hey, listen, you need to get a little bit more experience here uh, to be competitive. And so I feel like it's, um, you know, we have screening series where you get to watch movies for free. We have a the AT&T program where, you know, over 40 uh, veterans um, got to listen to uh, executives who were like head of production at HBO, head of comedy at HBO. Um, uh, we worked with them on their resumes. They actually got to shoot some stuff um, and got to really build a sense of community. So there's a ton, you know, it's uh, vmeconnect.org. You can check out some of the programs there. Um, all of the volunteers who are there to help and service, you know, veterans are, are vets who are in the industry and can provide kind of that mentorship. Because the, the thing about the industry is this, like, when you're in the military, you have a very clear path um, on progression, right? Um, that, I think, is purposely and by design not the case in the industry because it's such a saturated market. It, there are way too many writers and directors for the positions that there are. Um, and so nobody ever gives you a guide on, like, how to navigate um, a career in the industry. I feel like that's what VME does. Um, and it's really just through the experience of like other veterans, um, you know, that you, we can connect with, talk to, give advice. And at the end of the day, you know, I, I think any writer, director, producer is their own entrepreneur and have to take control of their own careers. But having knowledge and a knowledge base on what to do and what not to do, I think is probably one of the, um, will give you a competitive advantage to other people. Yeah, I recently did the Brent Forrester writing class through VME, and that was amazing. it. Was dope, right? So good. Yeah, had me like getting all emotional because I was just loving it, you know. And you feel that tingling, and you're like, "This is these are my people." Yes, <laughs> and this is what I meant to do. And that's the thing is like, you know, I hear it all the time with like veteran communities where ah, I don't like that group, and and usually it's like a, a problem that they have with one person in the group. Right. And so it's like when you talk about finding your tribe, it's not finding a group; it's finding a a group of individuals that support you that can collaborate with you. Like I, you know, I saw you in that class, Justin, and I, and I, I mean, that's how I'm here. Right. Which is like, um, I, that was the first time I kind of connected with you and like, listened to like what you had to say, what your sensibilities were as an artist. Like I was like, Oh, he's dope. Like I, I want to get to know him a little bit more. Um, and I feel like that's, that's the great part about being, and even in a virtual space, like imagine that that took place in a virtual space and you're still able to really connect and, uh, meet people so yeah it's awesome i'm gonna take you guys up on that uh resume part though i'll, I'll ping you after to ask we who. got you bro we got you <laughs> i feel like mine's still super corporate i've applied for all these uh creative jobs and pff, nothing so yeah well writing resumes are very different like the wga has yeah. a great template that they give you but i'm uh, ha happy to take a look at it and, and have some people take a look I'll at check it that too. out too uh paul do you want to jump in hey i do uh so rebecca so one of the things you said that um, you're like, uh, you run a workshop for directors. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so, uh, so yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I, have, I do have a follow-up question to that. It wasn't just, you know. Oh, that. no, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> well, no, so the question is, so, you know, you are uh, a writer and a director. So as part of your workshop, I mean, do people come in, do you get people who can write and direct or like people are like, you know, my directing is really good. My writing's not as strong or do a lot of them have, they started out as writers and they kind of like transition to directors. That's such a great question. Um, I actually think it brings up a larger point, which is I feel that people who want to write and direct um, um, 
want to do so as auteurs. And I think that the industry really kind of elevates this idea of the auteur, right? The the Quentin Tarantinos of the world who can write and direct and uh, make these incredible movies. I think the most important trait of any creator is a self-awareness. And so I say that because you have a lot of directors who are fantastic visual storytellers who maybe don't um, aren't as strong as, as writers. And so I think where self-awareness comes in is the ability to say, hey, I'm not as great as that. So I'm either going to get training to get better at it or I'm going to work with a collaborator. Mm-hmm. And I think that when I see directors who are successful versus directors who are not successful, I see this a lot with actors too, right? Actors who are like, well, I want to produce something. And, uh, you know, I, I truly believe that it takes you 10 years to get good or skilled at any craft. It's 10,000 hours. It's putting the time in and it's doing the training. Um, and so I, I feel when people are like, well, I'm going to act and also direct myself and produce this project. Um, you can't do all things well. I just don't think that that can. And so there's so much, there's something about collaboration that like makes your work better. Um, that makes the, the, the content that you're making better. And so I do think that, you know, depending on the individual, um, you know, I, I take writing classes. That's why I'm in a, you know, I consider myself a director, but I am in writing classes because at the end of the day, your IP as a director is what's going to get you in the door and get you leveraging to be able to sell something. And Mm -hmm. if, if I feel that I need more work in there, I'm going to get training on that. Right. Um, and I, I equate it to like, you know, just because you, you know how to run a 50 cal and you know how to manage and maintain it doesn't mean you, you necessarily need know how to do that on any other, uh, weaponry. And so, um, it's, uh, you know, I, I think training is incredibly important and, uh, the self-awareness, you know, we have a lot of writer directors that come into this program, but there are some that are stronger directors than there are writers and some that are stronger writers than our visual storytellers. So, yeah. Is that, is that the kind of thing, like, so say someone comes in says, you know, they're, they're, they really know how to work the camera and like can fill the, fill the uh, screen perfectly, you know, but the writing is a little lacking. Do you encourage them to say, you know, do you have to like kind of pull them inside and say, you know, it would probably be worth your while to take a writing class kind of like you're doing, or like, you know, have you thought about a writing class, you know, that would kind of like, boost up your writing skills to kind of match your directing skills? Oh, absolutely. I think that it's, um, you know, and that's the other thing is how do you take that, those notes? Um, I think, I think artists always are going to come from a place of, uh, you know, what we do is a very vulnerable thing. Like we are putting emotion to paper. We are putting uh, that emotion on the screen. And so the process is very, puts you in a very vulnerable state. So what I love about uh, my program, I also teach at the Sundance Collab, which is, you know, you have to create, people, people laugh or joke about the idea of a safe space, but I feel like for the artists, the ability to be able to pitch and pitch the bad idea before you get to the good idea and not be mm-hmm. mocked in a room for it, not be um, that safe place and we talk about the sanctity of the writer's room I think that's so incredibly important when you're with artists like the ability to nurture them um it it, it's something that we just don't do as much because of the volume of the content you know years ago um the way Hollywood was structured was you know Steven Spielberg had a 10-year picture deal in television before he 
he started going off and making some some huge films you know he got his he learned his chops for directing um I, I think in television and working with actors um you know being able to move the camera work on blocking doing all that stuff he 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 got better by doing and so i i do think that there is something to like making sure you're constantly training making sure you're con you know being on set sadly for directors if i'm a writer i can write every day um if you are a director it becomes more of a challenge just because of the the expense it takes to like bring a crew together and bring people together so i i i say do it as much as you can okay I have one more question that I'll toss it back to Justin. So I was looking through your bio and you've done, you know, done narrative, you've done documentary, you've done commercials. I mean, I know each one has a different approach. Like when you, when you were just starting out, what kind of, um, I guess what, I don't want to call it genre, but like, was it more, you were just making short films for yourself or was it just kind of like, you were just like pointing and shooting and like putting, uh, putting something together? Was it like kind of like almost a documentary? It's like, what did you start with and how did you develop the skills to kind of like start branching out? Yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I knew like I like to make, I don't think anybody ever does. That's why you start making them. Um, I think I started uh, shooting what I knew. So I started in photography. I would just shoot like what I would see. I'd go on, uh, you know, I'd go on a convoy. I'd take my camera. And then because my camera at that time when I bought the Canon had the ability to shoot video, then I started shooting video. And then I started watching other videos, right? So I would I would look at my stuff and then I would watch other people's and I would be like, oh, mine is crap. <laughs> and, so I, and then so I would go ahead and um, I would go out and do it again. And so what I started realizing was I think everybody has like a voice or a POV. Um, I made a video a long time ago. It was like kind of just a voiceover with some images of like what my experience was like. Um, and so when I look back on like some of that older work, it was it was always very personal. I feel like I I feel like I I like asking the question or or posing the question. I don't like to be very on the nose about things. I like an audience member to be able to watch something and walk away feeling something and not quite know what it is about that, that they're feeling. Right. I don't, I don't, whether, whether my personal beliefs or my opinions on like politics or anything like that, I, I, I think it's more important for someone to come into this understanding of, Oh, I've watched this character for this long. I didn't expect that out of them. And there's something that moved me on a character I, I don't have any relationship to or um, I don't have anything in common with. And I don't know, I feel that's important now because in a world that's so divided and so, and I see it play out online all the time of people, I don't wanna have friends that are Republicans or Democrats or liberals or I, you know, I, I, and we, we've become so insular. I think when I look at my storytelling, what I wanna do is tell stories about people that you might never have ever come in contact with but that you can relate to and and that's what I see in like my past when like those early films was me telling stories that people would relate to but they had never been to war they had never seen like some of these soldiers right some of that was like documentary work but what they related to was like oh that that guy is actually a Minnesota Vikings fan right um mm -hmm. And I might not have ever gone to war or know anyone in the military, but I can relate to the, the, hum, the humanity of that, that person. So that's what I feel like is in, is in a lot of my work. 
Awesome. That's great. Uh, yeah, so it sounds like you've done some really cool programs. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of time, maybe like another 10 minutes or so, but you want to... Oh, man, I'm sorry, bro. I was like talking. This is fun. I, I think perfectly the key okay. is we want to know the writer first. And then, of course, <laughs> there's so many like articles and other podcasts people can listen to to hear about what these programs are yeah. and uh, how to get into them. So I want to hear more just like your experience with them. Like what was what was it like shadowing? It looks like you shadowed some pretty awesome shows uh, well, or directors of shows while yeah. you were in the Disney program. And then, of course, AFI. Let's, let's go with Disney first, though. What was that like? Sure. I mean, the Disney programs are fantastic. You know, they only accept eight directors every two years. And so I felt very um, proud and lucky and um, blessed to have been able to go through those programs. What it did was if you have not, you know, you go from being kind of an indie filmmaker, managing a set of, you know, sometimes 25 people, 50 people, maybe 100 people going on to some of these sets where you have 200, it's a machine. It really is a machine. And um, what I what I started using, like, uh, you know, I did Grey's Anatomy. I got to shadow on The Fosters and um, some, some great shows, but I got to see how the machine works on a larger scale. And so, um, you know, the, the one thing for me was being able to scale up, right? How do you go from managing a small production that maybe is a $50,000 budget, maybe a $100,000 budget to a $3 million episode? And that leap is why it's so challenging to get that first episode of television. But the one thing I took from it was like looking at director's process. Uh, I got I got infatuated by um, and obsessed almost about how a director works and thinks and studying different directors because I I wanted to be able to pull from them the stuff that I liked and like the the prop you know the, whether it's prep and script analysis or. Um, but also like leave the stuff that didn't work for me. And I've shadowed some bad directors too. <laughs> so, um, you know, ha- watching crews talk about them behind their back. And like, I think you, you get a lot from, sadly, directing is the one profession where you're not able to really observe other directors and pull from them. And so the, what those, those um, programs did was allow me to be able to observe really good directors and, and pull from it into my own kit bag. That sounds awesome. Do you have any quick advice on how, what you think may separated you from the pack that helped you get in? Yeah. I mean, when you, uh, you're always going to have to write an essay, you know, I made that personal to me and, you know, the reason I wanted to tell stories, I think being your true authentic self, you know, I know a lot of directors who, who haven't actually tapped into that yet. And I think doing the, the emotional work of like, why do you want to tell these stories? Who, who do you want to tell stories about? Why is it meaningful to you? And be able to articulate that. Um, you know, I've, I read a lot of um, essays and I read a lot of um, applic- applications that come into like my program. And, you know, I, I think a, a big mistake that people make is like not being able to convey, whether it's in an essay or in their work, who they are as a filmmaker. And sometimes that takes time, you know? Um, and so, but being able to provide honest feedback, I don't think people get it enough in this town, which is why you meander and wander around and, and you don't get accepted into things and you don't understand why. It's because you don't have people around you that are giving you like true honest feedback to get better. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So talking about your program now, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about, people might not know what it is, so I guess what it is real quick and then, uh, what you get out of it and what you specifically have gotten out of the role that you play now? 
Sure. So um, I'm the director right now of uh, the AFI directing workshop. Uh, we take in uh, eight diverse uh, directors a year. Um, they create short films. We provide mentorship, guidance, uh, equipment, insurance, um, and those films have gone off to create some some great careers. Leslie Lita Glatter, who, um, if you don't know her, is a huge television director who directed all the Homeland uh, episodes. She's wonderful. Um, came out of our program. We have like uh, Pippa who uh, created a short film called Share that won cons uh, one year and uh, HB went on to, to direct a film at HBO. Time Davis, who um, uh, has gone off to make an am amazing career on The Shy and um, is working on a, 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 you know, just got nominated for an Emmy. So, you know, we've had some great directors on the program. I feel like it's a great emerging program for, um, directors to kind of come into to really hone their skills and we, we provide that you know when I talk about having like a, a safe place to grow as an artist uh, being able to fail amongst your peers I, and doing it in a, in a way where you can learn from those mistakes I think is important and paramount to, to like growing as a as an artist so I feel like we provide that and uh, yeah it's a, it's a great program I love it I came out of the program in 2015 and to be able to run and mentor other directors I think has been really special. I bet. How long is that program? It's um, total about 15 months. We're actually in the oh, wow. process of paring it down because it's a long program. Yeah. Um, but by the time you, you get accepted, shoot your short film, we do an industry weekend where we put you on the industry and uh, get you meetings with managers and agents and production companies all over town um, and then do a, a huge showcase at the DGA. So it's it's a great program. Uh, it's, you know, we're, we're working on a few things and um, we'll be launching it uh, sometime this fall. Yeah, it sounds, sounds amazing. Paul, did you have any follow-ups on that? I do have, I have one follow-up question for you. So all the projects that you've worked on, you know, shorts and TV and film, is there something that you haven't done yet that you really want to? Like, do you have like this burning desire to make a horror movie? Do you like, yeah, I just want to make music videos. Yeah. You know, just, just something like something you've never done before that's like, there's a, a hidden desire deep with deep within you that you think this is what I want to try. I may not do it tomorrow. I may not yeah. do it next year, but this is something I always wanted to try. That's a great question. I love that. Um, you know, most of the stuff I've done up until this point is, is has been dramas. Um, I have one or two comedies in there because I directed the ABC casting showcase and most of that stuff is comedy. Um, I am going to be directing because I, I don't have um, action genre in my or thriller. And so I'm actually going to be directing something this fall that gives me a little um, example of that. So I'm really excited about it. There's just something fun about like being able to do some stunts and like get, get stuff out there. And um, so that's, that's kind of what I'm uh, excited to kind of be working on. It's also, you know, a, a lot more expensive, I think, than when you blow shit up. <laughs> it's just, it's pricey. So, uh, so we'll see. I'm, I'm excited about it. Really cool. That's great. Yeah. All right. Did you have any last bits of advice that you want to share with our people? And I'll just say too, I feel like you have so many more things you could talk about. We can go so much more details on this. So if you like finish a program, finish up like a directing a movie and you want to come back and chat with us, I'm sure the audience would love to hear that specific part of your journey and then we can delve more into some of these topics. But, uh, but for now, any last bits of advice for uh, aspiring directors and writers? Yeah. And I'd love to come back. It's so much fun. Kind of, um, I feel like giving people advice on what they um, 
the lessons I've learned is always helpful. I feel like, you know, keep chasing that dream, like, um, and train. That's the one thing I want to give, which is, um, just because you see that someone short sold a short film and, you know, got $5 million for that doesn't necessarily mean that that's how the industry works. The industry is actually a very difficult place, but keep dreaming that dream because if I, you know, I, there was a line from a film, um, saying, you know, what one man can do, another man can do. And I do really believe that, but I also believe very strongly in training and being able to kind of create your own opportunities. And so keep preparing, keep training, keep making movies, um, keep writing, you know, do it every day. Um, don't wait for opportunities to come to you, like make your own opportunities. There we go. Awesome. And if anybody wants Great. to reach out to you, is there a best way to find you social media or whatever? Yeah, social media. You can do the gram, which is at Rebecca Murga, um, or you can just uh, go on my website. I think my email is on there. It's RebeccaMurga.com. Pretty cool. All right. And thank you so much, Rebecca. Thank and you. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, yeah. Paul. Yeah. And oh, our listeners. Pleasure. This is great. Yeah. I, uh, I'm sure people will be applying for all these amazing programs that are out there. And uh, if you can leave a review for the show and reach out to us if you want us to talk about anything specifically, uh, we're happy to hear your feedback. And thanks so much. I'm Justin Sloan. You can find me on Amazon. And I'm Paul Zeisman. You can check out my screenwriting blog at MaximumZ.blog. I'm also on Twitter at Maximum underscore Z. He's Justin. I'm Paul. This has been the Creative Writing Life Podcast. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, and most importantly, go write something.